Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. So as Mac mentioned before, we are launching into a new sermon series today called Dollars and Cents. And yes, you guessed it, we're going to talk about money today. And I I did some very highly non-scientific research on what are the sermon topics that no one wants to hear about. And so coming in at number five is Leviticus and you following the law of Moses for today. You know, that'd be a really good ringer. Number four comes in as 100 Ways to Die, the Gory Deaths of Scripture. Okay, that one might actually be fun to kind of do. I just don't know what the application of any of it would be. Then there's number three, Cook Like Jesus by Using Charcoal. And if you don't believe me, you need to read John 21.9 and find out that Jesus prefers charcoal. So propane has its place for like heating a stove in a camper. But if you're going to cook something, charcoal is what Jesus used, right? Number two comes in at 50 Shades of Solomon. If you... (laughs) If you haven't read Song of Songs, maybe you should do that sometime. You know, it used to, used, actually, there's, there's faith traditions that actually banned people from reading Song of Songs until they're married for a reason. But coming in at number one, as you probably guessed, is money. When, when you come here and you're like, oh, pastor's talking about money, uh, why, why do we feel that way? Why do we feel like we don't actually want to hear a sermon on money? And here's my theory on this. And again, I don't have stats to back this up, but maybe this will ring true for you as well, is that often when the church talks about money, we talk about only one facet of it. We talk about giving, we talk about stewardship, we talk about how our giving can have an impact for good, and that's true. All of that is true. But I think we can take a more holistic, bigger approach to money. And that's what we're going to do in this series. We're going to take a larger perspective look at money and say, how do we actually handle money? How do we work with money? How do we talk about this topic better? And you might even be wondering, well, why are we even doing this? Why are we talking about this? And the main reason for this, there's two kind of reasons why I think this is so important for us to talk about money. And first is this, you already talk about money or think about money every single day. If you're married, if you have a partner, chances are you talk about money more. If you're single, you're on your own, your finances are your own responsibility. Chances are you think about money every day. You think about it in terms of like, what am I going to buy? What am I going to spend on? What do I need for groceries? You know, for parents where you have kids in school, it's like, what's the next field trip that my kid comes and says, hey, I need 20 bucks or 10 bucks for this. Like we think about money and we talk about money every single day in our lives. And the second reason is this. Everyone has financial goals, but not everyone knows how to reach them. Now, your financial goals, you may think, well, I don't have any financial goals. I've never written out a list or anything like that. But your financial goals might be as simple as saying, you know, I got to pay rent that next month. You know, the first of the month is coming up. I got to pay rent. It might be that credit card bill is going to show up. I got to make at least the minimum payment on it. Or maybe that utility bill is coming up. I got to be able to pay that bill when it comes in. Or maybe your financial goals, you know, you maybe have articulated them and written them out and you're thinking in terms of, you know, I want to, I want to move from renting to owning a house. Or, you know, my goal is I want to have a reserve fund set aside to cover emergencies when they come up. Or maybe your goal is I want to be able to take my kids on a vacation. I want them to experience things and see more of the world than what I saw when I was a kid. There's all kinds of financial goals that we could have. 
But often we don't know how to make them happen. We don't know how to build the plan. We may have some ideas. We may have some pieces. And most of us learn finances by trial and error. You kind of learn by what didn't work. And that's an expensive way to learn about money. I've told you guys before, last week I talked a bit about my career pre-becoming a pastor. You know, I worked three jobs my first year out of high school, and I made a lot of money. In fact, I actually didn't know how much I was making. I only found out when I did my taxes, and I looked at, I tallied up my T4 statements, and I'm like, oh, I made that much this year? And then I looked at my bank account, and there was 500 bucks, and I kind of went, uh, where did that go? You know, some of us have, that's how we learned about money. And that is an expensive way to learn about money. And so what we're going to do with this series is we have a big overarching goal. And that goal is this. We want people to live with margin and live on a mission. And so when we say living on a margin, what we mean by that is we want there to be margin in your lives. We want margin in your finances so that what you spend is less than what you're bringing in because when there's margin, that's when you have space. That's when you're able to put funds towards something bigger than just what's your day-to-day. In fact, there's some stats on this, and these stats are scary, in fact. 44% of employed Canadians would find it hard to meet their financial obligations if their paycheck was delayed by one week. That was a study by the Payroll Association of Canada just last year. 44% of people would say, hey, if there was a payroll error at my job and they said, oh, your paycheck's going to be a week late, 44% would say, you know what, there's bills that are going to go unpaid. There's payments that aren't going to be made because we're in that situation. That is indicative that there is very little margin in Canadians' finances. But when there's margin, when you have space in your budget, when you're able to set funds aside, you can do things like create an emergency reserve. You can have funds set aside. And what living with margin does is it turns a crisis into an inconvenience. It turns a, an unexpected car repair or you know your water heater breaks and you got water in the basement. It turns a crisis into, okay, well, I've got this emergency fund. I've got something set aside for it. And in fact, when you live on margin, with a margin, you can actually start doing the second thing that we talked about, about living on a mission. Living on a mission means having goals and uh, perspective on money that goes beyond a month-to-month budget. It means being able to live with your money, focusing it towards what your bigger goals are. And in fact, one of the things that living on a mission lets you do is it means you can use your money to impact what matters to you. So for some of us, we would say, you know, part of that is, you know, my mission, part of this is to save for my kids' education, to give my kids a head start in their future. But also living on a mission means that we get to choose to impact the things that matter to us. It means we get to support the ministries, we get to support the charities, we get to support the things that are making a tangible difference in our world. We get to actually live our lives in a way that when we say this is something that's important to me, we can actually tangibly get behind it. But it takes us getting to a point where we live with margin so that we can live on a mission. And that's our big goal for this series. So even if you're here and you're like, someone dragged me along, I don't know if I believe in this whole Jesus thing, what you're going to learn in this series, I hope, and I, we're really working hard on making sure this is something that is still helpful to you, whether or not you would say you've come to a place of faith. Because this is about how do we tangibly give ourselves the skills and training and the ability to actually do some of the things that God has called us to. 
Because a lot of times, you know, we talk a little bit about generosity every week because it is so important. But oftentimes, we feel trapped because we're like, you know, I want to support that. You know, we highlighted U-Turn. We're talking about the U-Turn Thanksgiving coming up. Or maybe it's an organization like Teen Challenge or World Vision or Compassion. There's all these organizations that we often believe in their mission. We're like, we want to see that happen. But then we look at our finances. We say, I don't know how I can help. I don't know how I have the room for that. And so that's part of what this series is about is how do we get ourselves to a place where we can actually have margin and room for mission. But today we're actually going to talk about something more related to money than talking about money directly. And that's this. Money can be a constant worry. We're actually going to spend our time today talking about worry and how that impacts finances because this is the starting point we got to begin with. And if you think, you know, maybe you're one of the people that says, you know, I don't worry about money. It's not a concern to me. But you know what? You're actually, you're kind of part of the majority, but just barely. Because even this is statistics from 2017 of Canadians only. 47% of Canadians agree that money worries cause them extreme emotional stress. And in fact, when you take the next category they were surveyed on where they said a moderate amount of stress, that number jumps to 78% of people responded saying either I have extreme stress or moderate stress about money. And 40% of Canadians said that money worries regularly cause them to lose sleep, meaning this is affecting their health. This is affecting their mental health, their physical health, their spiritual health. Worry is something that affects us. And money can be a constant worry, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, we can live in ways that worry does not affect us. There is a way to be able to live without worry. And you might be thinking, you know, I worry every single day. There is a way to live without worry. But it does take some work on our part. It takes some perspective shifts. It takes some mentality shifts. It takes some reordering of our lives. But it is possible. In fact, one of the myths about money that relates to worry is this one. I'll stop worrying when I reach my financial goals. And maybe you've said this one or you've heard someone say this, you know, I'll stop worrying about money after I get that next raise or I'll stop worrying after I get that promotion or I'll stop worrying after this car payment is gone. But here's the truth about worry and money. If you're worried about money now, you'll still be worried about what you have then. You'll just have more to be worried about then. And so worry is something we actually have to tackle first when we talk about finances. We actually have to talk about how do we get rid of worry about money. Because when we worry, when we worry, what we're really saying is everything depends on me. We're pushing everything to our own responsibility of saying, it's all up to me to handle this problem. It's all up to me to figure this out. It's all up to me. I'm the one who has to get it done. And we often have this desire to be self-reliant. We think that we don't want to rely on other people. We don't want to have to you know, seek someone else for help. We want to do things on our own. But worry encourages that and forces us to even keep that even more focused on ourselves. So worry is something we got to address and we got to tackle. And fortunately, Scripture actually has a lot to say about worry. And we're going to spend all our time kind of in Scripture today just in one passage that highlights this. And there's more that we could go to, but we're just going to dive into one for a moment. 
And this passage of scripture comes from Jesus' ministry. And when Jesus was here on earth, He spent about three years in his ministry where he was traveling and teaching and talking and he was doing things like performing miracles and casting out evil spirits and he was drawing these crowds of people that were like, what is going on? There's this guy named Jesus from Galilee that he is doing things we have never seen, we have never heard before and so people would travel miles and miles and miles to come and see Jesus firsthand because they couldn't believe the stories about him could be true. They're like, what do you mean someone can do these things? And so even very early on in his ministry, Jesus had large crowds of people that were following and listening to his teaching. And this is an era and a time where the majority of the population is engaged in what we would call subsistence farming or subsistence industry, meaning they had a trade or they had a farm or they had a few sheep. And really what they were doing was producing the means for them to live. You know, some people would be producing something and then selling it and then buying the necessities of life. But most people in the Mediterranean basin in the first century were engaged in some form of farming or agriculture that was about this is providing food for me. And so to take time away from that, to leave your flocks, to leave your fields, to leave your gardens, to leave your trade, and travel to go and see this rabbi named Jesus. That was a commitment. This was a gamble. There, in fact, people were betting their livelihood on going to see to find out, is this really true? Is this guy Jesus who he says he is? And are the stories I'm hearing about true? And so early on in Jesus' ministry, there's this point where he's gathered and he's kind of, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, but we know the landscape there, it really should have been kind of called the Sermon on the Hill. Like there wasn't really mountain ranges where he was at the time when this happens. But Jesus has these big crowds and he tells them to sit down and he starts giving this long form teaching where he covers a wide range of topics. And it's found in your Bible from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. And Jesus talks about all these pieces. And if you ever want like a nutshell, like what is a simplified version of what does it mean to live the way Jesus lived? Just take Matthew 5 to 7. Just study those three chapters. Spend time in that and you will get a broad understanding of this is what Jesus taught. You can find it just in those three chapters. And then you can add on to it with the rest of what Jesus taught. But in the middle of this, Jesus addresses worry. And his message about worry is very consistent and it's consistent with the rest of scripture. He says this, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Jesus is saying, I'm telling you not to worry. Do not worry. And Jesus goes on and he says next, he says, isn't life more than food, and your body more than clothing. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. He's starting to draw a comparison. He's saying, look at the birds. They have what they need. And then Jesus goes on. He says, and aren't you far more valuable to him? Aren't you far more valuable to your heavenly Father than the birds are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And he's trying to get them to understand this concept of saying, like, why are you worrying? God provides for the birds. Surely enough, God can provide for us and give us the means that we need to exist, to survive. In fact, then this this rhetorical question, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? See, we actually know, we have the science nowadays to say, no, worry actually shortens your life. 
chronic worry is, has as much health effects as smoking in some cases. You know, we know this, that it's the opposite of this is true. Do all your worries? No, they reduce moments from your life. But, you know, we could rephrase this statement a little bit and take a little liberty with it. Can all your worries even add one cent to your bank account? Has anyone here ever had their bank account increase because they worried about it? No, not a chance. You know, and if it did, you'd be like, woohoo, this is great. And then your bank calls and said, hey, we made a mistake. We're taking that back. You know, and then you're back where you started anyways. Your worry does not add dollars to your bank account. So why worry? Jesus goes on. He says, why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, talking about the Old Testament king we mentioned before, who wrote Song of Songs and wrote Ecclesiastes and is known as the wisest and the richest king who ever lived. He was the wealthiest man. Even by adjusted for inflation, even in today's standards, he would still be the wealthiest person who ever lived. Modern billionaires got nothing on Solomon. Even Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as the flowers of the fields. And Jesus is trying to get them to have this wider perspective. It's not just about you. Look at this world. Look at what God has created for us. Look at where we are. Look at what God has already done. He says, if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And Jesus is getting kind of hard-hitting with them on this. He's actually connecting worry with little faith. He's actually connecting that when we worry, when we're stressed out, that part of that, what we might realize, is, is actually to say to ourselves, hey, you know, where's my faith at? Now, this isn't something to point fingers at others and say, oh, you're worrying, you have little faith, get, you know, get your act together. That's not the point. It's the point of this is for us to be internally reflective, to say, if I'm worried, if I'm stressed out, where's my faith at? Because if we focus on worry, we just keep going down and down that rabbit hole. We just keep going deeper and deeper into our worry, into thinking it all depends on me. It's all my responsibility. It's all my fault. It's all my, it's all my, you know, you know those statements that we say to ourselves. Jesus is saying you need to stop and take a moment and say, where's your faith? And so Jesus goes on. He says, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows what you need. See, right at the beginning, that word comes up again. Don't worry. He's saying you've got to put a block. Stop your worry. Then he goes, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, the second half of this, we're going to actually unpack next week. We're going to come back to this verse next week where we can spend more time on just that verse. But this first part is kind of our clue that we start getting from Jesus. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Jesus is connecting that when we worry, there is a faith piece as part of it. And now he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. He's saying what you are focusing on determines what you will worry about. What is your mind focused on? What is your heart focused on? Because if you're choosing to focus on your worry, guess what you'll find? More worry. And so it's a choice that we make to say, no, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to choose to put my focus on something else. And then Jesus wraps up this teaching and he says, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Stop thinking about long off in the future. Take a moment. Just look at today. What's going on right now? 
what's happening right now that I can focus on? Because when we focus on here and now in the present, we're able to do some of these things to start stopping our worry, to start kind of blocking it. And in fact, if you were here with us back in July, we did a series with Carrie Newhoff called Stress Less, where we spent five weeks on this topic of worry and stress and anxiety. And I want to recap part of what he said, because it sums it up so well. And he used the metaphor of saying that worry is like a rope in your hands. And every time you worry, you pull that rope. And every time you pull that rope, what's on the end of it comes closer to you. And usually what's at the end of our rope is what we're fearful of. What's at the end of the rope is what we're worried about. And every time we're worried, we actually pull what we're worried about closer to us and it influences us more. What's at the end of our rope? See, if you're consumed with worry, what we will always get when you tug that rope of worry is you will find more worry. It's a cycle that keeps going in and in and in. And part of the reason for that is that underneath worry is always a desire for control. Underneath worry is always a desire that we want to control the outcome of whatever it is we're worried about. And the truth is, we all know this, we can't control everything. So every time we're worried and we pull that rope and our worry comes a little closer, we try to find a new way to control it. We try to find a new way to manage it. We try to find a new way to kind of encapsulate it and say, no, I'm going to rule over this. My worry is not going to get me. But that never works because there's always a way that worry slips out of the cracks around our control and infects us again with more worry. So the answer to it is we actually have to stop that cycle of worry leading us to want more control to us. You know, something happens that brings our worry back to the front and then we search for more control and then something happens that brings the worry back to the front. We need to stop that cycle. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6 when he says, do not worry. Look around you. Look at what God's created. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. Look at how God has provided. Stop. Take a moment and look. And then Carrie had a great way of summarizing this. And he said, what if you put God at the end of your rope instead of what you're fearful about? What if every time you feel stressed and worried, instead of turning towards your worry item and focusing on it more, what if you were able to focus that towards God? What if we were able to actually step back from our worry and say, no, God, you're bigger than my worry. You are more important than my worry. You actually have control over what I'm worried about. See, when we started this passage going through Matthew 6, I skipped the first verse that Jesus said that started this teaching because it's really the thesis and the summary of this. Jesus started that teaching that we read through by saying this, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And then he says, do not worry. Because worry is what enslaves us to whatever we fear. Worry is what enslaves us to money. Worry is what makes the number in our bank account the most important measure and way that we look at ourselves. Some of us actually have that problem where we look at our bank account and we think that our value is determined by that number. And we just sang songs this morning about being a child of God. 
Being a child of God means that we are defined by God's relationship with us. We are defined by his love for us, who he has created us to be, his identity that he gives us, not what's in your bank account, not what's in your wallet. So when Jesus says this, you cannot serve two masters. You will be devoted to one, you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. It's this question of saying, what's at the end of your rope? Is at the end of your rope, is it worry? Or is at the end of the rope who God is? So who are you serving? Are you putting your trust in God? Because that is ultimately the question that Jesus is digging at through this whole teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. We could spend time and we could go through all the other teachings that he does and it all comes back to this of saying that the way we interact with each other, the way we interact with the world, the way we interact with things like money can be defined first by our relationship with God. Are we able to put our trust in God and then talk about money? Because if right now our trust is actually our worry, when we talk about money, all it's going to lead us to is more worry about money. And that's why we're starting this series this way, of saying that when we talk about money, we're not going to talk about it from a perspective of worry. Because we know that what God wants to do is remove our worry and replace it with trust. So we have to start from that piece of trust. Because when we start from a piece of trust, then we're actually able to make the changes that we need to make. Then we're actually able to look at our finances from a bigger perspective than just how will I pay the next bill that comes in. Now, you still have to do the hard work. We still have to do the work of learning how do you budget? How do you decide what's enough? How do you decide what you're going to spend things on? How do you decide what you're going to save for? How do you decide what you're going to give to? All those questions, we still got to wrestle through and we still got to work through. But when our perspective on those questions does not come from a place of worry, that's how we get to living with margin. That's how we get to living on a mission when our identity is not defined by our worry. And so that's what we're doing in this series. Today we've talked about, is money a constant worry? Next week we're going to talk about, is money an endless pursuit? Is money just something, a never-ending goal post that we are chasing that feels like it's always moving further away? What's our perspective on the pursuit of money? And then we're going to talk about, is money a management mystery? And that's where we're going to get into some practical things that Scripture has to say and just some good, wise advice about how do we manage money better? How do we have a perspective shift in how we manage money? And there's a simple thing that we can do that changes the way we look at it. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. And then we're going to end this series by talking about how money can be an incredible tool for good. That money is not actually something that's evil. Money is actually something that God kind of created and allowed us to have and allowed us to use because we can do incredible things with it. But we got to start here with getting rid of worry. And maybe you are in that 40% of people that are losing sleep over your finances. Maybe you are in the place of saying, my money is out of control. I don't know what to do. I need help now. And what I want to encourage you to do is this, this sermon series is not a full financial course. Don't expect that this four sermons will solve every problem about money because, frankly, you need someone to walk with you, to look at your finances, to actually see things firsthand. 
I can give the generalist broad picture and the perspective shifts, and that's what we're talking about in the series. But when it comes to the nitty-gritty details, sometimes you need to sit down with someone who can look exactly at your finances and help you. And that's why we partner with the Credit Counseling Society of Canada. They're the organization that is putting on this workshop coming up, Raising Financially Fit Kids. And maybe you've been to one of the previous ones we've done. We started off with one called Budget Breakers, about what are the things that catch us that break the budget. And then we did one called The Truth About Credit. Does credit actually work the way you think it works? And to be honest, that was one where I sat there going like, man, credit works totally different than what I thought it did. And it changed the way that I use credit. And then the last one we did with him was called Budgeting 101, where he walked us, where uh, their trainer, Tim St. Vincent, walked us through the basics of creating a budget and tracking your finances. And so he's coming back out on October 23rd, and he's doing a seminar on raising financially fit kids. How do you teach money to the next generation? But that's only a portion of what the Credit Counseling Society does. They are a registered nonprofit charity in Canada, which means they don't charge for their services. And what they do is they help people with their finances. It's completely confidential, it's completely free, and they'll work with you, and they'll even give you a consultation to say, this is the next step for you. And sometimes their next step is, you know, we're just going to coach you for a little bit. Sometimes the next step is we're actually going to help you manage your finances directly for a time period. And they are an amazing service. People in our church have access to the Credit Counseling Society and are seeing good results with it. So if you're in that place where you're like, I'm going to lose sleep tonight over this, I want to encourage you to pull out your phone and type in nomoredebts.org. So no one, and if you want, you can pick up a brochure from the table. But if you're like, I don't even want someone to see me pick up a brochure, just go to their website, read through what they can do to help. Because there are people in this room, we look at, you know, look at this room, we're representative of Canada, we're representative of the stats, It could be the person sitting right next to you if you're saying, well, it's not me. But this is a real issue that Canadians are facing. This is a real issue people in our church are facing. And so we want to make sure you have that avenue for a practical resource and help. And they do amazing work. And so what we're doing in this series is we're going to tackle money. We're starting with worry. We can defeat our worry when we put our trust in the one who controls it all. Is God bigger than your bank account? Yes. Is God bigger than your worry? Yes. Is God bigger than what what stresses you out? Yes. Are we willing to let that be true to us? We can know it's true up here, but are we willing to let that be true in our hearts? Because what we're trying to do in the series is we want you to live with margin and we want you to live on mission. Because when you're able to do those things, That is where we find fulfillment in how we handle our finances. That is where we find joy. That's where we find purpose. This is the way that God designed for us to live, to live with margin, to live with mission. There's way too many scripture passages I could go to to back that up, but we're running out of time for right now. And so folks, I want to encourage you this week. Every time you feel worry about your money, Every time you pull out your debit card or your credit card and you're like, is this one going to go through or am I going to get that decline beep? Is the machine going to give me the angry beep or is it the happy beep? Every time you feel that worry, I want you to choose instead to say, no, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to trust. Worry is not going to control how I see my finances. Let me take a moment and pray for us as we wrap up. God, we know that you created everything 
that you hold everything in your hand. And even though our free will often takes us in places that are not always what you would want for us, Lord, we know that what you want for us is good. And so God, I pray that as we dig into this series together as a church, as we talk about money in these practical, tangible ways, that ultimately we would look to you first. That we would see how you are the one that we're choosing to serve. And that when we handle our money through this perspective of serving you first and how you want us to handle and control the finances you've given us, Lord, would we find the freedom that you promise? Would we find the joy that you promise? Would we find the abundance that you promise? Because we know that you have a better way for us to live than what we can find ourselves. And so, Lord, would you help us to walk in that path and see that more? In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray this together. Amen. So folks, next week is money an endless pursuit. That's what we're going to talk about. And don't forget to sign up for the U-Turn Thanksgiving if you're able to bring a meal. This is an amazing way that we get to share the love and hope of Christ with U-Turn residents. So folks, see you next week. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.